All right, John chapter 17, and don't turn there. If you want to turn somewhere, turn to Psalm 133. John, in John 17, the Lord Jesus prayed to the Father for all who would be, uh, for all who were to believe in Him, and He prayed that we would be as one as He and the Father were one. And so that all the world might believe and know that the Father had sent him. What is on my heart so heavy right now, church, is how the church can become one. Can somebody say amen? Not in some distant age, but now. You know, those in the upper room became one, and the power of God came down, and we need the power of God. And I believe it can be done. Psalm 133, it's one of my favorite scriptures. Psalm 133, verse 1. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in, together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessings, life forevermore. Something that um, my wife and I have, have been kind of stating, and I think we've almost stated it incorrectly. I don't think it's wrong. I think it's better. I think, I think, I think my interpretation was one way, but I believe the reality is better than what I had thought it meant. You know, it looks to me like that when there is unity, that that is where the blessing is. It's where God commands the blessing. Big difference. What can stop God, God's command? Nothing. Nothing can stop it. It's where God commands the blessing. When a husband and wife get on the same page in unity... God commands the blessing. When a church body comes together and lets all of the, the, little, the little stuff that wants to bother you. And let me tell you, I, I was talking to somebody today that, that in every phase in my spiritual walk, every phase, I've gotten frustrated with church at some point. And so many times things in my life were falling apart and it stuck in church. I took it out in church. How many of you know things will go bad on you in your life and you'll take it out on your wife? You can't take it out on your boss. That won't go very well. You can't take it out on your customers. That won't go well. And you wind up taking it out on the one that you love the most. But it's so easy to allow allow frustration when you come into church to wind up, wind up there. Because you, my dad, I'm going to sound like Forrest Gump, uh, or I'm going to sound like the water boy. My daddy, my, my, my mama always said, um, my dad always said, you go looking for dirt in somebody, you'll find it. You go looking for dirt in me, you'll find it. You go looking for it in my wife, you'll find it. If I go looking for it in you, I'll find it. Why? Because you're not Jesus. And let me tell you, even Jesus, they, they thought they found dirt on him. And he was perfect. But how easy it is, because as a sound guy, 
I got offended. Uh, as a worship team member, I got offended. As a worship leader, I got offended. As a pastor, I got offended. Well, what, what does that tell you? We get offended. Or, listen, maybe not offended, I had an opportunity to be offended. Anybody have an opportunity to be offended? <laughs> Today? It's everywhere. It is how Satan operates. If he can get you divided, he's got you. If he can get the children divided from the parents, he's got that family. If he can get the wife and the husband divided, he's got it. If he can get the congregation and the pastor divided, he's got it. If he can get in between the leadership, he's got it. If he can get you and your job and your, and your boss divided, he's got you. How good it is to dwell in unity together. Because that is where God commands the blessing. And I don't think I can miss that. When God commands the blessing, I don't think there's any way I can miss that. I can't miss it. Now, I can miss it a lot of ways, but when I get in unity and God commands the blessing, that one's going to get me. I can't help it. It's his word. Man, I love the fact that not only is, is that where we're going to find the pot of gold. No, no. that's where God is going to command a blessing on you. So, what does that mean? Unity. Unified. Together. There is, there is a blessing for you and me to be together. And let me tell you, it is war to get a husband and wife together. There are demons and all hell trying to separate marriages. And look at, look at, look at the United States. One of the highest rates of divorce in the world. And you may say, well, that's not Christians. No, Christians are as bad. I think they're even a little bit worse. Well, I'm not seeing a commanded blessing on that. They've gotten apart. And let me tell you, it's hard to stay together. And me and Elizabeth are no different. We've got to work at it. And sometimes working at getting together is, is a fight. Why? Because neither side wants to die. But unity is not where just one dies. Then you've got a messed up relationship. That doesn't work. Both have to die. I thought Joe McGee put it so clearly about a covenant that when you come to the, the wedding covenant, both have got to die. Both have to die. But that's where God commands the blessing. So many times we fast and we pray for the blessing, and we should. But where does God command the blessing? In unity. And let me tell you, so many times we're going to have discouragements trying to get there, and we're going to have many sacrifices. We're going to have to give up prejudices and swallow our pride and lay down our lives for one another. But if we can get a vision of where we're headed, if we get it, man, I would do it. If I, would, if I would not lose focus of, what my, of what's at the end, I would stick with it. But the problem is, something comes in between, and I forget all about the reward. I forget all about what God wants to do for me, and all I can do is focus on what somebody's just done to me. And then we even go so far to think, they meant to do it. And most of the time, they didn't. 
we just mess up. And Satan uses it to get right in the middle. And his, his hope is you'll never let go of it. Don't let go of that. She'll just do it again. Don't forgive her. She's not forgiven you. Think of the thoughts that we have in our head that try to keep us from being unified. I'm going to meddle a little bit. This might be, you're going to, I'm going to want you to forgive me ahead of time. I'm just asking you now. Yes, you sure can. You come right up and because I, 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 think, I think it's going to be okay. But if it's not, you come up here and, get, and we'll get it right. You know what? We've got to see life. We've got to get through what we're going through. Sometimes I get tired of feeling like I'm always the one to say I'm sorry. But you know what the Lord showed me today? You should be. You should be the first one. As the man, I should be the first one to die. I shouldn't wait for her to die. I should be the first one. As your pastor, I should be the first one. Not you, me. The only way we're going to have unity is by death. It's the only way it comes. Is by giving up what I want to be together. Because you know what? That's where the blessing is. And so many times I get selfish and I'm like, I just want her to say she's sorry first. She'll just say she's sorry. I'll say I'm sorry. I'm quick to say I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't have any problem with it. I'll say it. I probably need to say it today. I'm sorry. I do. I was a complete butthead today. Pardon my French, but it's just, I was. And I didn't wait for you to say I'm sorry. And, and you know what? what? You may say, Pastor, how, how does that apply to the Word of God? Jesus loved, we are to love our wives like Christ loved the church. And do you know how Christ loved the church? He gave everything. He didn't wait for us to get it right. Us getting it right wasn't even a part. And he even knew what we would do to him after we received him. And he still gave it. Husbands, you want to know your role? Die. Die to yourself. Somebody say amen. Amen. When we come in the church, can I tell you, it's not about you. It's not. It's about God. It's about us turning our hearts to Him and asking Him to forgive us what we've done and to praise Him for what He's done and to position ourselves for Him to bless us again. Instead, we're all, woe is me, man, you did this to me, you did that to me. I'm not, talk, I'm not saying we got any major issues in the church. I'm just saying this is what happens in our marriage. It's what happens in our work. Can you believe what he did to me? Ah, oh, the heck with that. I'm, I'm fed up, done. done. I, well, good luck. You'll, the, next, the next job you got, you're going to face that again because you're going to face another boss. And unfortunately, you're not the boss. And either you're going to humble yourself and get on board with him who really is kind of representing kind of your provider. He's the one that's kind of cashing the checks. Well, I'd better line up. You know what? If I want the blessing of God on my life, what do I need to do? I need to line up. It says if I will hear the word of the Lord and obey it. That's pretty clear to me. If I would seek his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto me. 
what am I fussing about coming up short when I'm not fulfilling my end? Jesus has already paid the full price. It's paid. It's done. All we've got to do is walk in it. I, I believe that, that we are at a crossroads as a nation. I believe we're at a crossroads as a church. I believe we're at a crossroads as a family. We had better get together. You know, it's the, it's the, it's, as, as Joe McGee said again, it's the little antelope that's, that's broken off from the pack is the one that gets attacked. It's not the group. It's the one that the lion goes and devours. We don't need to be apart. Look what it says here in Ephesians 4.16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together, joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working of the me- in the measure of every part maketh increase in the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, I don't read much from the King James, but this is the King James. And the reason is this one word, and if you remember from three weeks ago, I read this scripture, compacted. Let me tell you, that's what the body is, is compacted. And you know what? Sometimes when we get compacted together, we get uncomfortable. But I want you to know when we get compacted together, we've got to figure out how to get, get along. Have you ever been in a little car with six people and it only supposed to seat four? And you're going on a two or three hour trip? You're going to get to know each other real well. You're going to smell their breath. You're going to smell their body odor. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna know their laugh. You're going you're gonna to know it all about them. might even know more than you want to know. Compacted together. We're to be together. We're to be together. All joined together. And united in such a powerful and effective way that we become fully one. Now, if we go to Psalm 122, I want to show you somewhere. This is how we're supposed to go together. Psalm 122 says this, Where the tribes go up to the give thanks to the name of the Lord. You know how they went up? They went up in tribes. They didn't go up individually. This speaks as Jerusalem at the gathering point of God's people, and they did not go up as individuals. They went up as tribes. I believe this is the key to effective unity of God's people. We will not be united as individuals. We will be united as tribes. I believe if our leaders will go up together, the tribes will follow. And it has to start at the top. It talks about the uh, anointing oil being poured over Aaron's beard, and it's an imagery of it starting at the head and coming down over the entire body. Well, it has to start at the head. And I want you to know with me and my deacons, with me and my staff, we are making an all-out commitment to unity. And I want you to know that starts with me. That's not me asking them to get on board with me. And it's not them asking me to get on board with them. It's me asking us all to get on board together. It's the only way it'll work. Same thing with my staff, that we become one. Let me, get a, let me get a, go a little deep with you right here for just a second. Well, uh, I believe the final move of God is not going to be a, a move upon individuals, but a move upon bodies. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we find the vision of the valley of the dry bones. And I know you all remember this, uh, this scripture. But there are two sovereign moves of God through two acts of the prophet Ezekiel. The first time, Ezekiel prophesies to the bones. 
The second time, he prophesies to the breath or the wind of the Spirit or the Spirit. And prophesying to the bones, I believe, is preaching. Prophesying to the breath, I believe, is intercession. You know what intercession is? It's standing. It's interceding. It's standing on behalf of another. It's speaking on behalf of another. It's warring on behalf of another. Do you know that Jesus is making intercession for you to God the Father right now? What is he doing? He's warring for you. He's talking to the Father about you. He is speaking a good word to the Father about you. When Ezekiel prophesied to the bones, you know what happened? God moved the bones supernaturally and they came together in complete bodies. But when Ezekiel spoke to the breath or the wind or the spirit, God didn't move individual bones anymore. He only moved complete bodies. And those bodies stood to their feet and they exceeded, they, they, it created this great army. And I believe that's God's objective, is an exceeding great army. If you're just a bone on your own and you don't find yourself in a body, there's going to come a time when God will move and you won't know it because his final move is going to be on the church. Jesus is coming back for his church. Going back to Psalm 122, we have the same truth stated another way. It says that Israel went up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, not as individuals, but as tribes each tribe under its headship. I believe God is really working today to bring that about. Now, let me, let me close. I'm, I'm almost done. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to read just a little bit to you here. It says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, proud blasphemers, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders with no, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. If you don't mind, Blake, just leave that scripture up there. Now he lists 18 moral blemishes or defects that are going to characterize the last day. And the Word of God places the responsibility right where it belongs. It, scripture says, when perilous times shall come. And you know what happens? It's the deterioration of the character of human character. When human character starts to deteriorate, that is the source of this danger. You know, and we see in this list, it begins and ends with, these thi with things that people love. Men, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, and finally lovers of pleasure rather than God. You know, the three all-time evil, uh, evil that corrupts human nature is love of self, of money, and of pleasure. And in our days, we are definitely facing that as a nation. Love of self, money, and pleasure. And you know, the source of that is self-love. We are in love with ourself. We are in love with ourself. The scripture goes on to say, I want you to catch this, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. What is it saying? These people aren't pagans. These people are, have religion. They have a form of godliness, but denying its power. 
Does anybody here, I don't want to say agree with me because that puts you in a tough spot. Does anybody here agree that the church is denying the power of God? We're just showing up and kind of going through the motions. And let me tell you, I've done it. Not anymore. Not anymore. It's God or nothing. You ever seen that at, uh, what does it say, all or bust or whatever? It's God or bust. God's got to do it. You know, the things that you guys walk in and talk to me about in your life, God's got to do it. And I want you to know he can completely be relied on. But the problem is we've got to rely on him. Our belief has to kick in. He said to the woman with the issue of blood, you are healed. Your faith has healed you. Now, the woman did not heal herself, but her belief in Jesus being able to heal her, healed her. We deny the power of God by not releasing our faith. Or maybe we don't have faith. Oh, you with little faith. He said that to the disciples. Man, I'm like them. Sometimes I don't have the faith. What would God say? All it takes is just a little. Just a little bit of belief in me. And I can move a mountain. I had somebody email me today. Just said, Pastor, I need you to pray for some mountains to move. You know what I thought immediately? God does that. God God does that. I can believe for that. And you know what? Let me turn that around to you. You can believe for that too. God can move that mountain. God moved your mountain. It wasn't a mountain. I mean, that was nothing. It was a mountain in your life. But to God, I got it, Carlton. I'm watching over my word, just waiting to perform it. It would do, God would say, it would do me good pleasure to heal your head. What are you believing for? What, let me put it this way. What are you hoping for and not believing for? There's a difference. I hope I get this, and I hope it's, I hope I show up, and that's all. Take no, God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord, my provider, and in Jesus' name, I ask you to provide. And Lord, where I'm not lining up, Lord, I ask you to go ahead and bring correction. That's going to hurt, but it's going to hurt a lot worse if I if you don't move in my life. Correct my heart, correct my thought life, Lord. Let me walk in this correctly. Because if I will walk correctly, Lord, you're going to be at the end of that. Lord, maybe I have to walk over that mountain. Maybe you move it. Maybe you flatten it. Maybe you, whatever. But you're in it. Lord, I put you in it. And I don't just leave with that prayer. I'm going to start walking. Remember, it took Daniel 21 days before he finally got breakthrough. But what did the angel say? I was sent the moment you started praying. Did Daniel Daniel waver? No, he didn't. He kept praying. Back to Psalm 122, we see God's remedy for the self-centeredness and self-love. It says in verse 8, 
for the, for the sake of my brethren, Psalm 122, verse 8, for the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Now, do you catch this? There's something more important in life than me. It's God's people. It's God's house. Do you see this? Because of the house of the Lord. Because I see value in in your church. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. I'm going to live to, I'm not going to, am I going to live to please myself, to seek my own good and pursue my own ambition? Or am I going to live my life for the glory of God? The house of God and God's people. Matthew 3.10, John the Baptist in introducing Christ in the gospel, he said this, And even now the axe is laid to the roots of the trees, therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. If we want unity, we got to lay the axe to self-love. And let me tell you, there is a reward. There's a reward on earth. There's a reward in heaven. Father, I ask for the ability to lay the axe to self-love in our lives. And Lord, I just make myself available to your correction. Lord, one way I know that you're working in my life, Lord, is that you bring correction. Because your word says that you correct those that you love. And Lord, if anybody hates correction, it's me. But Lord, I, do, I, I, can't, I can't do it without you. God said in returning exiles, to the returning exiles, he said in Haggai chapter 1 verse 4, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled house and this temple to lie in ruins? What was their problem? That said Matthew, it was Haggai 1.4. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled house, houses and this temple to lie in ruins? What was their problem? It was self-love. They were putting their interests, themselves and their concerns above God's house. I want you to know that we could change our city if we can come together as a church body. We can change our city if the husbands and wives would get on the same page. It is where God commands the blessing. It is where God commands the blessing. And I'm just going to speak to the men as I, as I close. I talked about being the first one to say you're sorry. You know, you're going to have to work out your own marriage. Elizabeth and I have realized one time Elizabeth did something that Joe McGee's wife had done to Joe, and it didn't go like it went to, to their marriage. It, in fact, it backfired. You know, the Spirit of God's got to lead you. The Spirit of God has got to lead you. But you know where I talked about being the first one to apologize. Can I tell you, men? Be quick to repent. Be quick to repent before God. You want a blessed life? Be a quick repenter. Run to God and repent. Do you know that repentance is a gift? 
And there's going to come a day when that gift is not going to be offered anymore. There will come that day, Scripture tells us. Be quick to repent. Ladies, be quick to repent. And be quick to work things out. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit. They will inherit this earth. They will inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the fighters. Blessed are the peacemakers. And it takes a bigger man to make peace than it does to make war. Jesus made peace. And I want you to know, sometimes Jesus got, got nasty. He made a whip and went and cleared out the church. You know what he was doing? He was making peace. Sometimes, men, I don't mean with your wives, you've got to be a man. And we gotta, we got to fight off some, war, some, some enemies. That kind of peace is good. That kind of war is good. But be quick to make peace. Amen? I, I hope you've been blessed by this. I feel like I've almost beat you up. I'm not trying to beat you up at all. I'm trying to love on you, and I'm trying to... i got a plan. And it's a plan for us to lock arms and us to, to war Satan and beat him down and running back where he's supposed to be. You know where he's supposed to be? The God of peace has put him under our feet. That's the only place he has a right to be. Everywhere else he has no right. The, the, the right place for him is under our feet. He does have a place. That's under my feet. It's under your feet. It's not under God's feet. God's done it. God's going to do it. God, the God of peace has placed him under your feet. Okay, is he battling you? He has no right to be where he is. You're going to have to take the word of God and smack him one. Amen? Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for unity in marriages. I pray for unity in this church. I pray for unity in leadership. Lord, I pray for unity over all these that work and their bosses. Lord, let us get on board with our bosses. Mm, That'll preach. Let us be a blessing to our bosses. Lord, let us help improve those above us. And let us help improve those below us. Lord, you'll exalt us. And you're so much better at it than any worldly boss could do. Lord, let us be a blessing. Lord, let us get unified in every area of our life. And Lord, I just say according to your word that you command the blessing upon us. Thank you, Lord. I'm ready for it. Thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Thank you for healings. Thank you for breakthroughs. Thank you for jobs. Thank you that we've been praying for a job and somebody's getting a job. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. You are so good. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the week.